0: it's recording now, so. um. All right, welcome back to Altered States of Context. We're here with Zach Hegney, who writes the trip report for the Beckley Institute. Hi, Zach. Thanks for being with us.
1: Hey, guys. Good to be here. Looking forward to it.
0: And Brian, as always, is here as
2: well. Yes. Hello, everybody.
0: Um, so today we're going to take advantage of the fact that we've got Zach here. Zach, the, the, trip report is, um, basically a weekly newsletter. Um, and it's really great. You know, I just want to endorse it. It's really great. And it's really great for just kind of keeping up to speed on, on what's current, uh, you know, uh, in, uh, the psychedelic news and in the business of psychedelics. So it's, it's a really great resource for that. And we'll take advantage of having Zach here to kind of talk about like what's new. Um, and, um, your latest issue and we we'll just dive into it talks about like the, it's a second revisiting of of what you call the psychedelic hype cycle. You want to just tell us about that and why you kind of revisited it again uh, this week.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um yeah, thanks for that for that intro and 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 the way I kind of position the the trip report is that it's on the business, science and policy of psychedelics. So, those are the three sort of core um, you know, verticals—you might say—of of what I what I write about, and so, um, and and really that touches on so so many different you know sub subtopics. But, um, yeah, this concept of 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 hype cycle, and y- you might say that, um, you know, I wrote about this back in March, and um, there is this concept of the Gartner hype cycle, which is a uh, a, a trend, you might say, or sort of a, a, a graph that looks at the maybe the enthusiasm, the investment, the um, the business formation around new technologies, and so it it, it maybe you, we can sort of link to a, a, a you know the Wikipedia page or something like that, but um, it it kind of describes sort of like an early fanaticism or what we call hype, a, a peak of inflated ex- expectations where, um, you know, valuations of companies are at uh, over, over, overvalued. Um, there's a lot of uh, excitement and enthusiasm, hence the name hype um, only, only to sort of fall, fall from those peak of, of expectations um, as either the technology um, is not mature enough, or the distribution is not there yet, or you know, in the case of psychedelics, like there's really nothing to do yet, right? There, there is there is policy work to do, and there's science to do, and there's and there's drug development to do, um, but these are illegal substances, and they are in relatively early stages of clinical development in the FDA sort of um, space, um, and so. You might say that the the cart got a got ahead of the horse. I think that's the phrase. Um, but another way of saying this is just this is sort of the natural, common, you know, uh, almost like predestined uh, arc of any, you know, new technology. The you know the caveat here is that psychedelics are not a new technology. But the 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 in in the original article, I sort of plotted. There's a handful of events between 2017 when MAPS got breakthrough therapy status or breakthrough therapy designation for their PTSD trial from the FDA, which is, you know, I I think a a big deal, right? And it sort of was like a a clue Um, that happened. Michael Pollan published his book. Compass Pathways got breakthrough therapy status. USONA Institute got breakthrough therapy status. Denver had decriminalized um psilocybin through so it was like this two year window basically where i think a lot of the momentum and the inertia and sort of what you might call sort of like underground excitement enthusiasm um had just you know had had i mean for 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 lack of a, a better metaphor sort of like the fruiting body sort of came above ground right like um, to use an over cliched metaphor. So anyway, um, I'm I'm going on here. So if, if I, I if there's anything you want to stop me, but the the last thing I'll say is I, I would say that um, the 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 hype in the investment community in the culture um, maybe got like kind of a, a, a check with the valuations of companies just kind of plummeting as, as they did across biopharma in general. Um, Some results from the compass pathways phase two B trial, which had sort of, which challenged, I think the narrative that psychedelics are sort of across the board safe because they had a a few uh, adverse events, um, namely suicidal ideation in, 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 in the, uh, in the, in the active groups. and then, sort of matters of of sexual abuse that are sort of being highlighted around that time through the the Power Trip podcast. So, anyway, it was I sort of chose to write about it because I I, I saw somebody mention the Gardner hype cycle um, on Twitter, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Let me just kind of see what I and I had sort of positioned it like it seemed to me that the industry, quote unquote, um, had recognized the challenge that this is not just like a straight to the moon kind of thing that, you know, the research is super early still, that um, the, the the companies that are sort of doing uh, therapist training, for example, are, su- are still early. It's still a long way away from any sort of policy uh, reform, even in Oregon, right? Like we're not until January until that even gets started. So it, it struck me as like, at, for people who are paying very close attention to this field and working in it, that like, it was a reality check is my, is my sort of uh, um, was my take on it. So that was a, that was a complete word vomit. I'll, I'll stop there.
0: <laughs> well, it, it seems like, um, you know, when I think of the hype cycle in this context too, I kind of think of it more, you know, not as a thing, but as ripples, like multiple hype cycles. And if you put it, go back a little further, like go back all the way to the sixties, right? Like that was the the hype cycle like the the mega huge giant hype cycle um and then the backlash to that the trough of disillusionment with that was a you know this uh you know uh 30-year prohibitionist nightmare um and so you know since then but it just seems like psychedelics evoke hype i mean a lot of new technology and a lot of new technologies evoke hype as you mentioned, but it seems like there's something irrepressible about the hype around psychedelics. Like there's a certain degree to which it's like, it's just gonna pop.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's the, I mean, the experience itself is hype worthy, right? Like it, it is, it is, it, it's, you know it's ineffable it, ineffable ineffable is the term um it's it's awe it's it's mystical it, you know however it's described um it's like you know i remember you know anybody who like goes on a surf trip for example and like surfs a quote unquote you know secret wave can't help but talk about it you know what i mean it's like there are these things where you just can't sort of help but talk about it and it's kind of collectively gotten to this place where it's gone from like maybe an individual thing or a small group thing to just a, uh, you know, the the culture itself has, has picked it up maybe is, is one way of thinking about it.
2: And I think there's such a great need in our culture, too, for something new and different, right? Because we're in this cultural moment of, of like massive suffering, it seems. There's such bad news all the time, right? There's this desire for something outside of the box to come along and save us and give us the answer and provide the relief that we're not getting from the, the tools that we have now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Nate, Nate and I, are just before you got on the call, we were talking about sort of the the idea of like all these institutions that are just crumbling and, and, and inept and, and, um and it, there that is like a, innate, that definitely sounds
2: like a Nate conversation. It's a <laughs> Nate
1: conversation for sure. Um, <laughs> the, but it, 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 you know, I can't help, but sort of be, um, I don't know. Is it auspicious that there are there that this, you know, quote unquote Renaissance is sort of coming of age, maybe so to speak at a time where there's like, it's a pretty gnarly period for changing guards at at global and and at at the macro level um so well, at, if nothing that's like pretty fascinating
0: yeah if we're not careful we're going to start talking like a 22 23 year old <laughs> Nate who just always always had his mind blown by the fact that you know uh LSD was invented at the same time as you know uh the nuclear bomb <laughs> I always felt like, man, that's pretty crazy, pretty coincidental, or maybe not. So yeah, this uh, synchronistic thing. So, but it does. I mean, I I do get that sense with our, our current cultural moment, um, and you know, kind of going back to the hype a little bit because sometimes this trips me out a little bit. Like, because um, like like you pointed out, and I think is absolutely true. Like, yeah, the experience itself is pretty hype worthy. It's like you know something that you know you experience and if you experience it deeply, you know, you can't help, but want to talk about it. Um, And so, and it, but you know, what we have is this mishmash of all kinds of different interests. Like it's this thing that's precious to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, And then you have people trying to capitalize on it uh, financially and you have people, you know, and then it's entering into a, a medical system that has a lot of problems and that people have a lot of issues with and it's entering into like these therapeutic paradigms that people object to and it's entering into you know all these different systems that are um uh, often problematic and difficult um exploitive uh, what have you and so it creates these this hype and then people who are trying to burst the hype who are also in other contexts the biggest hype, I mean, most of these people are, you know, they, they are criticizing the hype, but they have still also built a huge part of their life around psychedelics because they're worthy of hype. Um, and it's like, well, so what, what is hype who's hyping and why, and maybe just get your, your hit on like why this, um, I think public conversation around psychedelics is so often, um, absolutely noxious and toxic and no fun at all. Which is like really ironic, yeah. I think, because it is, uh, in my view, one of the most fun things in the world to talk about and interesting and absurd and silly. Um, but it 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 really has a the 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 conversation around it often has this tenor of uh, of just real noxiousness.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a lot there we can go into. Um, yes. <laughs> well, there there is. There is a what is it? Well, to your point, right? There are is it is it are they vested interests? They're not really vested interests in sort of like the conventional sense of economic interests, although that is true, but like these things mean a lot to people. And you know, it's almost like the experience itself fuels the um I don't want to say righteousness, but it's kind of along the lines. It's like there, if you get, if you tap into the word of God, right. I'm going to, I'm just going to go there. I don't know where this is going to land, but like, and, 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 and it speaks to you. It kind of validates the position that you're coming from, which is an irony because there's also evidence to suggest that psychedelics increase Psychedelic uh, psychological flexibility, right? So the way that I see it is that the field is a series of juxtapositions or paradoxes of, um, on the one hand, sort of, um, maybe you might say sort of promoting flexibility and sort of uh, uh, ego sort of um, strengthening on the one hand, but also uh, loosening on the other hand. Um, Then then there's like the position of to medicalize or to decriminalize or to legalize. Like there's a lot of different perspectives that sort of convene in this quote unquote discourse. And it's it's nothing other than just like fantastically complex and nuanced. And I think the tenor that you're describing of noxiousness. Is a byproduct of just you know the medium of where these things happen, which is social media, right? Which is Reddit channels, which is sort of Facebook groups, which is Twitter, where people are disconnected from face to face contact. Um, you know, I, I saw I saw ironically a tweet of two psychedelic researchers who are going at each other on Twitter after the publication of one sort of uh, uh, sort of controversial paper. And then, like, at a conference, I saw a picture of them sort of bro out where they're, like, they got along. So in face-to-face contact, you know, the, it, it's, a different, it's a different sort of thing. Um, I, I don't know if I sort of muddied the waters on this at all, but I, I think it's a combination of this is a, a many-headed, you know, hydra, you might say, the psychedelic space in general, scientific indigenous, religious, spiritual, personal, collective, uh, economic, um, psychological, um, clinical research, and then, you know, underground use and the fact that they're illegal. Um, it really makes for a very, um, you know, choppy waters or multiple perspectives, depending on how you want to look at it. This is one of the things that sort of like teed me up when I first kind of had the thought to like write about this, like one never has there kind of like a drug that's gone through the FDA approval process that has like a, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a fan base, like a cultural sort of connection to, you know, uh, uh, an affinity for um, and that our people are using on an everyday sort of basis on a growing, you know, in a growing way. Um, that alone is sort of really interesting, from a, you know, from a commentary and an analysis perspective of like, what, what, what's happening. Um, again, I don't know if that word vomit was, uh, of, 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 of any sort of insight, but you know, it's complex and it's, and it's, and it's, it's, and there's many different ways you can sort of enter the space and think about it and attach to it and connect to it. So I think that lens for. Um, you know, a cacophony of 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 discourse, you might say. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, 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 and it's changing so quickly, right? It's so rapid. There's just so much happening. Um, yeah, I, I think you've got one of the coolest jobs, Zach. Uh, for for anyone in our audience who is not uh, subscribed to the Trip Report, definitely get yourself subscribed. Uh, it's a vital source of news. Uh, you're, you know, I'm thinking about your role, Zach. It's almost like you're, you're part like a historian, like writing the history as it's happening. And, um, I I know for myself, there was a, I've been interested in psychedelics for over 20 years and there was so much of that time where I felt like I could stay on top of everything myself. And that's, that's definitely in the last couple of years. Uh, I, I don't feel like that, um. I'm just curious for you and your your role and your job of of kind of collecting and archiving and 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 bringing some synthesis of the complexity to the public in an easy digestible way like what what's that process like for you how do you how do you stay on top of all of the the emerging news how do you how do you manage the different sources that that you seek for your information
1: yeah um so I would say yeah, it, it's 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 fast moving and there's a lot of you know information coming out. The way that I think about what I do is um I have a model in my head of the the way that this, you know, ecosystem or industry or what have you kind of fits together. Seemingly many disparate pieces I think are actually kind of connected sort of across each other, right? So you know on the one hand drug development of of various psychedelic compounds may not be relevant to decriminalization or the religious use of things but to me they they're they're, uh, they're 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 pieces of a of a larger sort of whole or landscape you might say right so i'm trying to kind of consistently update that model and and figure out not necessarily not, not in a predictive way but like I'm I'm just fascinated by like where is this going and w- what does the future look like in 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 a way that's like not I, I'm you know I'm not promoting or pumping stocks or sort of advocating for anything. I, I at least I try not to be. Um but just you know can we analyze and sort of understand how the pieces of the puzzle sort of fit together and 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 so I really I use you know, the news of the week, which again, as I sort of say, is like focused on the policy, business and science. So, um, and, and, and just try to understand like, what do all of these things happen in the larger context of this emerging field? You know, it, and so it's, uh, on the one hand, it's exhausting to keep up with it. Um, and on the other hand, like, I think, if I were not writing about it, I would be I would be developing like, you know, informational diabetes, basically, like you you have to sort of process this stuff and make sense of it by thinking about it, which for me is like writing about it. Um, otherwise, you kind of just go crazy and and sort of like at times I feel like I, I kind of am just by the nature of the of the speed of this. Um, but I, I but I guess that's a little bit about how I think about what I do. Um, yeah, it, it, you, you're right. Like sometimes I feel like I've got the greatest job in the world because, you know, to me there is nothing more interesting and fascinating. And, um, you know, without sort of, sort of hype. Going back to this hype, I mean, I think it is. I think it is a watershed sort of moment, right? For, for in human history. Now that sounds like hyperbole, but you know, these are compounds and experiences and practices that have you know, in some way, shape or form been around for thousands of years, right? Like they're, you you could argue that they're a part of like human culture, um, and that they have been, you know, ostracized and made illegal. And now that they're coming back into the, the mainstream strikes me as like really important for better, for worse you know, for, for all of it. Um, so the fact that this is just happening is the thing that I'm really excited about.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that phrase, uh, informational, uh, diabetes. And so, you know, it, you know, in that case, it'd be like your, um, meal, when you write about it, you're taking it in, you're metabolizing it. So you're, you're gesticulating this yeah. and, and metabolizing it for the rest of us. So you're a, you're a digester. <laughs> um anyway um (laughs) yeah so the what is um like what right now do you think are the specific aspects of this that you're watching most closely
1: um i am really there's a few things I, i should say um well like kind of uh, maybe on the more sort of um not superficial but the more sort of visual or the more sort of known space like maps is coming to the end of their phase 3 trial for MDMA assisted psychotherapy for PTSD and so that's going to go through the next stages of you know the FDA evaluation and what that looks like at the end of that process is still is is like very uncertain there are certain things like the drug labeling that they agree to, the requirements for therapist and drug distribution and what's called risk evaluation mitigation strategy, like those are things that will impact what, how this therapy moves into the real world. And I don't think anybody, you know, maps included, FDA included, knows what that looks like just yet. So that's, you know, that's more on like the 18 month sort of timescale um more more specifically more topically i think what's happening like I, I there's been a handful of articles recently and this is not an area of like deep expertise that i have by any stretch of the imagination but the role of um churches and religion in this field i think it doesn't get the media attention it doesn't get the you know the hype of investment or the, you know, the way that scientific publications get sort of media attention or policy gets media attention. But to me, this feels like this sort of like, I'm trying to think of a word other than the seedy underbelly because it's not seedy. It's like, it's, it's just like the, it's, it's the mycel you know, it's the underground sort of kind of coming into a formation, leveraging um, religious freedom as a, as a, if not a protectant against um law enforcement a deterrence against it, and people that I've talked to are I guess it's 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 a more common pathway than I would have thought. Uh, it turns out a lot of groups are are going the route of incorporating in some legal capacity around uh, in the as a as an in theogenic church. And more and more of them are operating, you know, their websites, for example, you don't have to read between the lines anymore in the way that you might have in the past. Um, You know, there's a, there's a group in New Hampshire where they're, you know, their, their location is disclosed. And, and, you know, there was an article in the, in NPR recently that they're, Um, the law, the DEA knows about them and the local police knows about them and it's there. And, and so what, what people who are closer to this matter tell me is that the religious freedom, you know, in certain States is something that law enforcement doesn't, can I curse on this podcast? They do not want to fuck with it. Um, and that is, that is like, you know, going back to this model of how this how this sort of thing will emerge, that strikes me as a significant piece of this, um, and I'm really interested in sort of how that emerges, um, because legality, cost, um, safety are sort of these sort of three pillars that are, are I think are sort of at the at the forefront of the access you know uh, conversation. And, um, groups that are operating in public that are outside of the purview of the FDA or the health or the health system, they're going to operate at lower cost. And if there's a way to sort of mitigate, you know, if there, if there are, this is like a very new thought, I guess, but is there, is, is that a, I guess what I'm realizing is that is a much more, um, robust quote unquote ecosystem than I had expected. I thought the, 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 underground was just the underground and you have, you know, but this is sort of a, uh, sort of a coalescing in a way that is really interesting to me. Um, so, and, and, and so I've, I've been, I've been paying attention to that lately. Um, well, let's, um,
0: before we, let's, let's dig yeah. in to like, let's pause with this a little bit because, um, first of all, um, yeah, we, uh, not only allow, but encourage swearing on altered states of context just <laughs> by the way. Um <laughs> and um yeah the, I'm I'm extremely bullish on uh the, the the whole religious use thing right now. Um because I think yeah. you know a lot of uh the problems we're seeing emerge um you know if there's a lot of stuff and I think this goes back to too, the part about contentiousness. <clears throat> um <clears throat> no pardon me And why uh, this conversation tends to be so contentious and why people get so, um, you know, up in arms at times about it. And I think a lot of it comes down to authority um, and, um, you know, who is vested with um, power and control over these substances. And so I think that there's just outright sort of rebellion uh, at the idea that sort of like the medical establishment would just have control over it, Um, which is I'm, I'm definitely in that camp myself, even though I support therapeutic use wholeheartedly. Um, you, yeah. know, uh, you know, mainstream, you know, like medicine um, and the medical, psychological, psychiatric establishments haven't, um, don't have any sort of worthwhile claim to have authority over or exclusive authority over it at all. And so I think that that's, that's part of it is like who's in control, who gets to say, who does it and who gets to say how they do it and who gets to say. Um, yeah. And so in the underground, it's like, well, no one does because everybody sort of knows it's like, you know, you're you're on your own here. Um, and then, you yeah. know, when, when you have a very rule bound process for a lot of good reasons and also not so good reasons, but a lot of legit good reasons and in medicine, there's, you know, where you want really tight controls. That's like, that's appropriate, um, also overextended at times. Um, but like, you know, I, I think that, you know, where religious use comes in, it's like, you know, you have to respect the autonomy of people who want to use it. Um, you know, like it, also like when it goes through medicine, the cost, like you point out, is going to be hyperinflated. It's going to be through the roof, you know, cause it's, it's it just, it, it Well, it's an interface with our medical system. Everything that our medical system touches turns 10 times more expensive than it needs to be immediately. Um, and you know, so like that, that's a huge part. And, and so I'm really, really interested. And I think actually it's also a really natural fit within a sort of a religious model, um, like the experience itself and what psychedelic use is. And I think it like actually like fits nicely in that sort of worldview. So I'm really interested in, 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 in what's emerging with the religious use. And I'm, I'm curious what kind of conversations you've had specifically, um, you know, about that with, with, with people.
1: Um, uh, I would say four or five people who are working in that space in either like a legal capacity as as attorneys. Um, and then sort of what you might say, like organizers of, of certain groups that are facilitating, you know, uh either the experience or integration within a context. So in, you know, in one, in one, it's a, a Jewish context and one, it's a, it's a Christian context. I think actually there's probably a lot of uh, diversity there um, in terms, obviously like there's, you know, a lot. So I, so I guess like the, the, the conversations that I've had are, are sort of practitioners in that space. Um, and then people who are guiding them and sort of consulting for them in a, in a legal capacity. And it's those conversations with, with the lawyers that are, and, and obviously, you know, law is sort of like subjective, you know, so there are, there are, you know, it's it's unclear what sort of protection there is there, but there's been a few cases where it's been described to me that um, charges have been dropped. And, and, and in, like I said, law enforcement doesn't want to fuck with this in a way that I found really, it, it, that's interesting to me. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if, if, if that answered your question, but it's, um, yeah, there, there, I guess sort of a caveat to that is one of the other things that is a larger trend that's been going on for decades is sort of people leaving organized religion and you know frankly in my opinion for good for good reason right dogmatism um pedophilia um you know the 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 power dynamic of uh at least you know the 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 christian oriented churches i think has put a lot of people off um but it's also like there is a mystical core to all of these things, one could argue, that has been lost. And so if there is a sacrament that can bring the mystical core back to people, you know, without the intermediary of the priest class, that's pretty fucking interesting to me. You know, whatever the context, whether that's, you know, you know, Christian, Islam, uh, Judaism, um, or what have you um, so that is another feature that that I think is really interesting is there is is this uh, a sort of a fuel for reigniting um some you know the, a transition from spiritual but not religious, which is the largest growing sort of category of, of people in, in at least America um, to more religious I don't know but that's that's an interesting dynamic to keep an eye on for sure.
0: Very, it's very interesting. There's
1: also a lot to, you know, I'd be interested in your sort of thoughts on this as as mental health professionals, but uh, and 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 maybe I'm pulling this out of out of my ass, but it there, there's some who might say that the absence of religion is a precursor to mental health, um, or mental illness. You might say that's kind of a loaded statement, and can go in a number of different ways, but is there an organizing principle, um, a, a framework, a belief system that facilitates betterment that those institutions sort of have, um, that they've lost and can we get that back? Maybe I, I could have phrased that better, but that's an interesting area to me as well. So,
2: well, I think one of the, the thing, you know, religion, uh, religious organizations, they, one of the, the, main functions that they that they do is they they are a source of community and i do think yeah. a large degree of mental health problems today is the result of lack of community lack of connection and whether it's in a religious or spiritual context or in some other context i think psychedelics create these mini communities in the underground and in the above ground and they bring people together and i was just talking i run a psychedelic support group um yesterday and we were talking about how you know uh when you know you meet somebody else who's tripped there's sort of like a a bond there's sort of like if you know nothing else about them, there, there's still something that you can connect with them around. It's almost like a, a secret language or, um, you know, you're initiated into this sort of club. It, it almost feels like. Yeah,
0: for sure. You know, there's a, I would, you know, I think that there's like, um, in addition to community and I've heard the phrase and I, and I like it a lot, you know, like I think, um, one of the ways to conceptualize what we're going through right now is like a, a crisis of meaning. Like we're like in this meaning crisis as mm. a um, as a species right now. And I, and I think part of how we derive meaning meaning as people is in relationship, right? Like in relationship to our community, in relationship to the earth, in relationship to our family, in relationship to uh, people, systems, organizations, and in this uh, you know. And I think those things are so increasingly fragmented in the world we live in that it's very hard for an individual to make meaning when they have so many different meanings reflected back to them when they have so many different, like, like there's not a coherent sort of like sense of um, self that's necessarily um, available easily to everyone. You know, like you're getting all these different messages reflected back all these different versions of what's important, all these different ideas of how you're supposed to behave, how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to, and, um and, and so there's this real crisis I think in meaning you know that's one of the main functions that religion historically has served you know um putting aside to the question uh you know of, of uh, any specific religion or uh whether it's true or not one of the functions that religion has served is that center of meaning is that this is what your life means this is what your community means this is, Why, you know, this is how your actions and behavior make sense to yourself, to others in the eyes of, you know, God or whatever, um, you know, uh, metaphysical belief there is, but it is about making sense. So I do think that there is a a big something there, um, a big something there that with the sort of collapse of religion and, you know, I used to describe myself, I think, as spiritual but not religious, um, but I don't. Anymore, um, I, I really kind of describe myself as ambiguous or confused more. Um, but the I, 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 spiritual, <laughs> but spiritual but not religious is, I, I think, I personally, I think spiritual but not religious is kind of a problem because I, I just think that that's um, that that's not that useful for making meaning of your world um, i think you know you know something more solid than there is like a sense of there's something more like like there has to be some meat on those bones this has to be reflected back yeah. by other people it has to be articulated in some way not not like i'm advocating for dogma but it's some way of like you yeah. said when you, you know, when you write something it forces you to think about it or metabolize it or make sense of it and we just have this uh, lack of ability to do that right now and I, and so i think there's a huge part of there's like this gaping hole, and I do think it's a uh, oper- like psychedelics are. I will speak from personal experience, extremely useful uh, for that. And I'm very curious what organized. I'm really, really curious about like religious use, like that. That I, I agree that yeah. I think it's it's an extremely interesting development. Yeah, that wasn't really a question. I guess that was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, I have a a, a bit of a, a burning question. I really wanted to ask you, Zach. It's a it's a, a, a little bit different topic. Um, I was curious your take on uh, the role of big pharma in psychedelics. It's it's sort of my perception, and maybe I'm off on this. I, I don't really know as much about this, but it's sort of my sense that they're not really involved in this space. They haven't gotten involved in the development, and and what's surprising to me is they haven't. I, I I would think psychedelics would be a threat to their business model. Uh, why aren't we seeing them more actively opposing or undermining the psychedelic renaissance? I don't know if you have any thoughts about that.
1: Um, yeah, well, I think we could sort of take this on in a few different ways. Um, the general trend over what time period, I'm not sure, but let's say at least a handful of decades. Well, one – There's a concept called Eroom's Law. Eroom's Law is the inverse of Moore's Law. Moore's Law is this idea from computer science that chips will become, I forget what it was, they'll they'll get twice as powerful and twice as small every two years. So it kind of creates this exponential improvement over time of like processing power, compute power. In drug development, there's been the opposite of that, where it takes more time and more money to, to bring a drug to market. And there is some evidence to suggest that that has affected um, the central nervous system sort of drugs, dementia, Alzheimer's, mental health more than others. So you see this sort of kind of, uh, uh, what would you call it, uh, a trough or sort of, Basically, big pharma left central nervous system, you know, drug development after the, you know, after the SSRI sort of class was introduced. Um, that could probably be better articulated, but sort of like just like let's t- table that for there. Um, the other third thing that's happening is big pharma has largely kind of become holding companies or that's that's also probably a, a misphrase, but they're they have operational sort of expertise at the commercialization and the distribution. And so a lot of what happens is that startups and um, our startup drug development kind of brings a compound to like the phase two sort of time point. And that's when big pharma comes in and purchases assets, right? So that I think is safely described as sort of like the the higher level view psychedelics with the exception of maps phase 3 and and now compass pathways is expected to start on their phase 3 trial that's that's the furthest along this this industry is so it's still very early you could say um which is which is one reason and people that i talk to expect that you know big pharma comes in and and makes some purchases of assets in the, you know, around the phase two, phase three period. Um, That said, like, yeah, to your point, like there is, it it messes, it fucks with the business model. Um, But I think they would rather have control. And and this is maybe my sort of personal stake, unaffiliated with Beckley waves or, or, or they would rather have control of that than not. Right. And so, I don't think they're going to be shelved. Right. But you, you know, a large part of psychedelic assisted therapy is the dis, is the, is the delivery, right. That's, it's not just like filling a script and picking it up from Walgreens They're you know, it's more akin to maybe a procedure, um, like a medical procedure that, that these things get, uh, you know, unroll, you know, rolled out in, in the healthcare system. And so that sort of delivery question, is, you know, I, I would, I would expect, you know, not that it's better, but like big farm is, you know, more equipped to deal with that in some capacity. Um, and, and more equipped again, does not necessarily mean better. So, um, yeah. So, you know, these are sort of the things that like come to mind around that question. And, and there are definitely better people to speak to this sort of than, than myself. Um, you know, ultimately, it's, it's like, we gotta, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, as, as, as cliche a uh, uh, cop out as, as that is. But, um, you know, the other thing is, is that could be weighing on this decision process is like never, and, and this goes back to sort of like the, the unique features of this field is like, you know, uh, 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 a gene therapy program is not going through the decriminalization process, right? There's not, there's not advocates sort of like demanding access to drugs through other means, you know, other than, you know, expanded access or right to try in mass the way there is with, with psychedelics. So does that put off big pharma? Yes. I would, I would think, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not well versed enough in sort of like the, the ways and means of, of, of those kind of organizations to, to speculate on that. But Those are the, those are the dynamics at play as I see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's
2: really interesting. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure they're paying attention, right? I mean, there's no way they're not uh staying on top of things. And it it sounds like one one of the things that you're suggesting that's possible is that it's just too early and we might see big pharma try to scoop up some of these smaller organizations or companies and, and kind of control the the landscape. And I think that is, you know, one of the the, the fears of folks in the psychedelic community is the the capitalization of, of this space. And, and so that's, you know, one, one reason why I asked the question is that something that I hear a lot of folks talk about is um, you know, how, like the, the dangers of fitting the psychedelic um, space into the, the medical model, uh, which is highly capitalistic.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is like the, 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 the thing that's interesting And maybe I'm not as concerned, I don't have that concern is because I understand the robust sort of nature of like the decrim and the rescheduling sort of efforts. And I understand what's happening sort of in the sort of religious use context. Like my mind is like there are there is an ecosystem with different prey predator kind of relationships and, and that kind of thing. And they kind of keep each other in check maybe that's like naive optimism or something but like that but like you know th- there there is a sense where i it's not like the only place to get psilocybin is going to be compass pathways and you know the local dealer or the capacity to grow or these kinds of things like all of the other things are o- only getting more robust as well if that makes sense like At least that's my that's my my read on it. Um, It's more complicated than that, but
0: yeah, I think that that,
1: you know, yeah,
0: I I agree with you. I don't quite understand a little bit of it. Like, I I doubt it seems unbelievable to me that you know, Compass like like they would secure this sort of like really exclusive sort of like pharmaceutical. hold on that and 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 that pairing with that would go uh you know this incredible increase in um enforcement of that that would even um clamp down even more on people's ability to use it than it is right now under prohibition so i, I it's hard for me to understand how it gets worse like I, like i don't like i really don't get that argument um at all because it's like yeah it's against the law people can go to jail for it already like have been for years like it's not going to yeah. get worse, so there is going to be some some chaos and some disruption, and there we will see some bad actors be rewarded, and that will be galling and frustrating. But you know, at the same time, it's like yeah. there's kind of, from my point of view, nowhere to go but up. Just speaking in terms of uh, access yeah. and legality, I, I, I don't quite get that 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 argument. Um, I've tried, but um,
1: I have a I have a pet theory. I have a pet theory that you know is. I'll just kind of qualify this as complete like swashbuckling speculation, but you know, Tesla open sourced all of their patents at a certain point, right? I wouldn't I have a I have a theory that Compass Pathways would would do the same thing with psilocybin. They're doing enough drug development and sort of research in other capacities on novel compounds that will give them like exclusivity, like real exclusivity, that and i don't and i don't know what that looks like right but i'm just sort of saying like they've been the villain of this field and i wouldn't be surprised if their long game is to like somehow turn that on its head again with no you know connection to the company or you know anybody whispering in my ear that's just something that i i wouldn't be surprised if we saw
0: well speaking of them cuz yeah they have been the, the you know the ones that sort of draw the ire and they have done some I think they've done some legitimately shady stuff around patents, but um, speaking of one, and I, maybe you know more about this night. So like they're doing all of their trials with a uh, uh, compound comp 360 is there. And, and that is identical to psilocybin. I mean, it's psilocybin. That's what it is, but the, it describes the process okay. of creating it.
1: The way I understand it is, it is the, it is a crystalline form. So it's the way that when, it's not exactly the manufacturing process as I understand it, but the, you know, the, the, the way that the molecule is arranged in a lattice structure, um, when at, when it's been manufactured. And as, again, I understand it's like, it doesn't prohibit, for example, USONA or anybody else to like from manufacturing use psilocybin. Um, but it's like a very narrow patent as I understand it. And also the the things that, that they've done it has been like trying to include elements of like the set and setting. Yeah. It could be like the tone of the furniture and these kinds of things. And I and I have seen recently that they've been um they've backed away from those. So the way the patent process has been described to me is that you start with these very broad claims and you take what you can get from them and so that that is just the the normal way of things are going or you know the normal process is now being applied to psilocybin for example um so if yeah so they're they're taking
0: theirs and they have this breakthrough um you know designation um you know doing um using comp 360. um now if that clears phase three which they're you know they're in that process and it it clears that and then become like and then is um you know have viewed as having utility for that treatment and it's approved um does that mean it's only comp 360 that's approved or does it mean psilocybin is approved
1: that means comp 360
0: right so then they okay so then like psilocybin itself is 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 they do have kind of achieve that, that control because it's like, well, psilocybin's not just this particular formulation
1: is. Correct. Yeah. And, and this is where it gets into like matters of exclusivity and sort of the, the, the period of time that, you know, you have a patent, which is a 20 year um, monopoly basically in drug development it gets really weird and really sketchy. I think it's called life cycle development is what they call it you know, and in, in, which is a way of just like kind of extending the mm-hmm. monopoly. And so it prevents generics from coming in. Um, I, you know, I don't know what that means for other developers of psilocybin, you know, for USONA or for I think that they will. they. So, for example, USONA, which it has a, you know, a, a, a form of psilocybin as well. That's, you know, GMP manufactured synthetic. Um, They'll need to go through the drug approval process, even though Comp 360 has been approved. Mm-hmm. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, yeah. Um, w- whenever those exclusivity periods expire is when generics can come in. Yeah. Um, you know, so for for the case of maps, for example, like I think it's a five year exclusivity period because um, it's not it's not a patent. Um, But because of the data that they have generated, they have a five-year exclusivity period. As soon as that's up, you know, anybody who can create MDMA and and sort of plug the market with it um, is my my understanding of that. Um, So,
0: but the upshot here that I'm taking away, like, is that um, Comp360, as far as the FDA is concerned, is a distinct thing from psilocybin. Correct. It's, it's 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 just a different drug, even though it's it's not. It's just but, a different thing. Yeah.
1: So you know, yeah so like in in the case of scheduling right like in order to kind of distribute a uh, the comp three hundred and sixty like right now it's considered a schedule one compound mm-hmm. the what's what's called bifurcated scheduling is when a when a scheduled compound when a scheduled drug goes through the FDA approval process and clears it. And it then becomes available for commercialization. The DEA has 90 days to reschedule it. And so the Comp 360 and, and, and MAPS's MDMA will likely be in, you know, Schedule 2, 3, or I think Schedule 2 or 3, 4 doesn't really apply. Um, and then, but MDMA in general will still be a Schedule 1 drug. Psilocybin in general will still be a Schedule 1 drug. But these two uh, pharmaceutical products will be rescheduled. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's and so yeah, that's that's sort of how that, that looks.
0: Thanks for clearing that up for me because I um, because that that was my lingering question on that was was just the difference between Comp three hundred and sixty and psilocybin in the eyes of the law, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. But there's no reason to think um, we don't have any reason to believe that you know if you go um, and take comp 360 or you go um, pick some psilocybus cubensis mushrooms that your experience is going to be different anyway from those substances they do the same thing uh,
1: basically well that, that's a question for like the yeah yeah basically yeah. i know a lot like, of people argue that I the naturals think-
0: have other compounds and do have have yeah. more complex uh, the, the, effects. Yeah. I, I understand that, but um, yeah. I'm skeptical of that personally, but whatever.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. No, no, there it, it, it is, you know, you might, you might say like, yeah, the, the idea is that this is a psilocybin, you know, experience and akin to, you know, a natural product, you might say. Mm-hmm. It's not like a new class of drug that is been reintroduced has been engineered to be different than psilocybin it is it is crystalline synthetic psilocybin
2: although there Mm. are startups who are looking to create the you know the psychedelic without the psychedelic experience right
1: yeah yeah all kinds i mean there there's startups who are, are 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 trying to develop like a lot of the things that that uh sasha shulgin developed and compounds from there um, analogues of all of these things, um, you know, tactogen is a company um, that is doing MDMA analogues. Um, Transcend is is developing a, a, a drug called Methalone, which is similar to MDMA, um, and then all varieties of startups that are trying to tweak the molecules in a certain way to create different experiences, but also patentable and novel, mm-hmm. you know, new new entities. So is it possible
2: that in, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years, we're going to have, you know, let's say this continues and all this is profitable and these companies continue development, you know, is it possible that we could have, you know a menu of of compounds that we don't have, you know, right now we've got psilocybin and LSD and ayahuasca and, you know, there's, there's a few main ones. And then there's the, the ones that the psychonauts kind of use, but could we see something where it's like you go into a diner and there's just pages and pages of options to choose from?
1: Well, I, I mean, I think the answer is yes. And the fact that those would all be administered through I mean the money is in the FDA approval process, right? And that that implies healthcare setting, right? So all of these novel compounds are predicated upon getting FDA approval where they can just kind of, you know, cash in on on novelty and and prescription, you in, know, insurance reimbursement. Drugs. Money.
0: insurance reimbursement exactly that's the entire thing it's the whole freaking thing that's that's, that's the money it's like if you can tap into insurance reimbursement you can make money if you can't you can't that way right um you can't like the the the, the health system doesn't make sense because you know insurance reimbursement includes the overly inflated cost of everything you know like it includes that that's yeah. baked into the insurance reimbursement schedule um if you take that away Yeah. And that's the problem they're going to have. I mean, that's the problem brewing in Oregon, isn't
1: it? Yeah. I mean that, that, yeah, you're, you're right. Like there, that's going to be a, a, you know, a self pay sort of situation Mm -hmm. in the same way that cannabis Mm -hmm. is, except, you know, you also have to pay for the time and the facility and the training of the facilitator, right? Like it, it's, it's, it's not cannabis 2.0 it's, it's uh, and it's not, com- it's not pure biopharma. It's a, that's what, this is so interesting, right? It's a weird hybrid of, you know, these mm. two sort of archetypal industries. Um, you could make a living but, yes, you're
0: as a practitioner here. Like you could make a living, um, if you could grow it yourself, you could just grow mushrooms, right? Or, um, you know, maybe like if you could, if someone could uh, manufacture LSD and you could buy it at a, at a reasonable rate because it doesn't, I mean, it's not that expensive to manufacture, right? And then you could facilitate, say, groups um, and you could just do that, right? And you could make a living doing that. But you know, you add in the regulation of you have to buy it from a certain supplier. It's going to cost an arm and a leg. You also have to have this rate. Yep. You know, you have to have this qualification. You have to have this space. You have to secure yep. this, and it adds in so much price that, like, the only way that you can be profitable is if you charge a rate that most people can't afford.
1: Yeah, it's ostensibly a safety cost continuum, right? Like with all the credentialing and all of the, you know, control of manufacturing. The idea is that you're 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 mitigating risk. Um, but increasing cost. Mm -hmm. And that to me is sort of, there are elements of truth to that, but yeah, it's, it's. um, but I would say like, you know, I wrote about this concept of regulatory leakage, you know, in cannabis, in Canada, in in California, like the black market apparently is much larger than the regulated market, right? And so it's this idea that the legalization and all of the media attention and the public education that goes into those processes is hamstrung by the bureaucratic sort of nature of it and the red mm-hmm. tape and the cost that drives up costs that pushes consumers into, you know, the quote unquote black market. I think the equivalent to that in the psychedelic space, and, and I've gotten pushback on this, is that you know, the, the, the regulatory leakage is not in necessarily in the compounds themselves, but in the facilitation of them. And so you have, you know, I've heard Rick Doblin recently say like all of the, you know, the underground therapists are, have waiting lists that are, that are months long. And I mean, that's been my experience in seeking somebody out in my local area. Um, And so maybe there's not the, maybe that's a, a small sort of, piece of the puzzle, but um, therapy, you know, people and, and this is where sort of religion kind of undercuts that, right? Like mm-hmm. that's kind of this thing is, is you know, if, if there is a uh, enough quote unquote safety from um, law enforcement, that's going to drive a lot of people into that direction. Mm-hmm. So these are all these things that are sort of like interconnecting in a way where the forces are sort of pushing in, in certain things. So yeah, it's, it's wild. It's, it's, it's incredibly fascinating, but to your point, right? Like one could, a a therapist, I, my, my, uh, my partner's brother-in-law was here this weekend and he is an ACT trained therapist and knows nothing about the field. And sort of by the end of the weekend, I was like, I was, I was like pushing for it. I was like, dude, you need to look into this. Like this is, (laughs) he's burnt out. He's, you know, having, you know, he's kind of going, he, he is a archetype of the mental health practitioner, you know, experience right now. Um, he's underpaid, he's overworked, he's burnt out and wants something new. And I'm like, this is something new and you are in a perfect position with your training and your licensure and your credentials to explore this. And I, I, and, and so by the end of the week, he he got the message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's I, lo- just I loved like, your metaphor. Oh,
0: go ahead. Sorry, Brian. Go ahead, Nate. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just uh, going like, to tie it back to the beginning, how it's still like, it's like, yeah. I mean, on the one, like, it's like, in theory. Right. Like it's like a great time, but like the money hasn't started flowing yet. And like the, like, like, like it's still there's, there's, there's still all the, the legal risk entailed. So it's like on the cusp of seeing how it could be great or seeing how it could be transformative, but yet like waiting still for like, what's gonna, like, what's gonna
1: shift. Well, are you, are you familiar with the company journey clinical by any chance?
2: No. I don't think so.
1: so. They're 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 an interesting model, right? So there's this concept of direct to consumer, you know, Nate, you and I talked about this actually at, at one point, like direct to consumer you know, medications where, you know, you, you you do a you do a zoom sort of intake with a nurse practitioner and they send you a script for, you know, Ritalin or, you know, Lexapro or whatever. But what they're doing is they're working in the ketamine space, but they're allowing they're facilitating like the access for therapists to the to ketamine rather than patients directly, so they're not like they're not shilling uh ketamine directly to patients. They're creating the infrastructure for non-prescribing therapists to work with ketamine with their patients. Does that make sense? So it's like mm-hmm. a, it's a bit of a it's, a it's a it's a it's a. I thought it was a unique take, an interesting take. I should say that. You know, Beckley Waves is an investor in, in Journey Clinical. But I had written about them before I joined um, Beckley. And I thought it was an interesting model that kind of turned that sort of thing on its head, but also facilitated access to therapists um, for what is, you know, available now in, in a legal way. Um, yeah. But to your point, like the broader thing of, MDMA or psilocybin or what have you is, is still. So
0: close. Brian, did you have, did you have one more thought or question?
2: No, I was just gonna uh, sort of wrap up and, and, uh, you know, just appreciate your, your sort of like a metaphor of an ecosystem. Like I hadn't thought about it that way in terms of these different, uh, disciplines or these different elements—that uh, is sort of this unique combination, right? And and how they might even in some ways serve as checks and balances—and just really appreciate all the work you do, Zach, to kind of you know, I think you you have a unique perspective in being able to take this bird's eye view of the larger disciplines, right? Where I'm more embedded in like the mental health aspect. So it's yeah. so fascinating to talk to you. I mean, I could talk to you all morning with tons of questions. Uh, so just want to appreciate what you do in terms of the trip report and synthesizing the all of the vast growing information that's out there.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, and not to us. Uh, not to put
0: you on the spot, but you know, it would be awesome to have you back. And um, even to have a, sort of a regular thing, I think having like a way to um, you just like, you're just so up to date on things to, to you know, at whatever you think about that, it would be cool to have you back on a semi-regular basis just to yeah. kind of catch up on news.
1: Yeah, that would be great. I would love that. This uh, is, uh, you know, a fascinating field and and I could talk about it for days.
0: awesome well thank you very much for being here and um and yeah we will um yeah we'll talk again yeah this was fun all right thanks guys